You are listening to the Manmukti Podcast, Stories of Stigma. I'm your host, Kirandeep, and before I dive into our topic today, I would like to share some exciting news. The Manmukti team has launched a brand new webpage, so be sure to visit manmukti.org and check out our new updates. You'll find South Asian Providers Database in the resource section, more information on how you can start a university chapter at your local institution, and how you can help us out on our mission to fight stigma surrounding mental health by clicking the donate button. Better yet, join us in volunteer or partnership. Be sure to check out Humans of Manmukti and Manmukti Speaks to read the numerous stories and experiences shared with us. In other exciting news, today's episode marks the first of a new series on our podcast called Real Talk with the Mun Mukti Pod Squad. Many of you may not know that there are actually six beautiful team members on our podcast team. Anand, Audria, Barth, Chetan, Drishti, and myself, Girindeep. We thought it would be a great idea to sit down during our monthly meetings to chat on different topics surrounding mental health. But before we do that, we want you to get to know us and meet the team. So we sat down to ask each other some questions to share more about us. All right, I'll ask the first question. Um, can you speak more than one language? I can. I can speak uh, English. I can speak Telugu a little bit. Uh, Hindi is kind of very touch and go. And my Spanish is uh, a lot of fun, but probably not very accurate. <laughs> Um, yes, I can speak Bengali, although it's not very well. And I can understand Spanish for my three years in high school, but that's about it. Okay, definitely English native language. Uh, Punjabi, because we're Punjabi, and Hindi from all the Hindi movies we we're watching growing up. Definitely picked that up. Um, and it helps when we're traveling to India and Hindi is pretty universal there. And uh, I married into a Gujarati family, so definitely a lot more Gujarati lately. Can't fully speak it yet, but definitely understand it fully now that we've been married for five years. Um, really? I did learn. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. So, <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Uh, since we're, uh, or me and Jason are Canadian, we learn French through school, oh. but I can maybe pick out a few words if I see it in writing, but definitely can't speak it. Yeah, other than English, Punjabi, we grew up with it. Uh, my parents speak it. I, I would say I can speak it pretty well. Uh, comprehension, 100%. Um, reading, extremely slow. Uh, and then writing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> terrible writing. Um, other than that, Hindi, because of Bollywood films. Um, Spanish, I could probably do a review of systems in Spanish. You know, uh, yes, no. <laughs> it's easy enough. <laughs> And then I always test my French when I'm on flights, because if you fly in Canada, they do the pre-flight ritual in, Canada, in, in English and then French. So I can like pick out a bunch of it. And that's kind of how I test how, uh, how rusty I am. Um, but that's about it. Are you able to keep a secret? I'm going to start with, uh, I guess, uh, Audrey, and then I'll go at the very end. Yeah, I can. I would say that I'm pretty good at keeping secrets. Um, 
but you have to let me know that it needs to be kept a secret. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, if you let me know, then I can, as my mom puts it, I can keep it locked away in my stomach. She says it in Bengali, but like, <laughs> you know, I can just keep it locked away and I will never reveal it, but you just have to let me know. I can definitely hold on to a secret. Heavier ones, definitely. The little tidbit stuff that you tell me, that's going around the family for sure. <laughs> I don't hold on to those secrets. <laughs> if I feel like it can hurt someone and I need advice on how to help them, then I will definitely seek expert consultation. <laughs> I'd say I, I can keep a secret in the way that I know the person I tell is not going to spread it. You know, so usually I can control the damage, but chances are if I know if I know something and I need to discuss it with someone, I'll discuss it with somebody uh, that I know is for sure not going to spread it. But chances are, if you tell me a secret, you know, somebody else might hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Noted. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with Chetan, dude. I cannot keep a secret. And in fact, when people tell me secret stuff, I'm like, you know, don't tell me this unless you want the world knowing about it, or I have to immediately forget what you just told me. Like that's mm. the only way that this is not going somewhere is you either you don't tell me it or I forget it. Right. So, um, people know not to come to me for gossip or secrets or anything like that, you know, and it's like, I'm happy with it, man. I don't, I'm not hungry for it, you know? And, uh, so, but, but it's also good. It's good. It's, it's, it works out. I, I, I can't lie either. You know, I can't really tell people that I think something other than what I think and people know to come to me for the truth also, you know, and, you know, so it's kind of nice, you know, I think over the years I've learned how to tell the truth in, 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 in the best way possible. So it's not exactly tact. It's like, it's honesty. It's like, maybe this is not the greatest thing that you could do. Like if someone comes to me with like a piece of writing, this is not the best you can do. Cause I know you, you can do better than this. That's how I say it, you know? And it's true. That's the truth. So people, I don't know. I, I still have a few friends, right, Audrey? <laughs> yeah, now I know not to tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's next? Okay. Uh, if you could have a career in anything, what would it be? Or more specifically, if you could do anything and not worry about money, what would it be? Okay, so um, this is such an easy answer for me. It's, it's ridiculous because ever since I was a child, I wanted, it's funny because I said called you Ross earlier, but I wanted to be a paleontologist for my entire life, you know? And yeah. and I still do. Like there was a time a few years ago where I went to Arlington at a dig site, okay? Mm. Where they were just digging up bones in the area and and I found nothing, but I had the best time. You know, just, you use like a little brush, like a little paintbrush and it's, it's kind of like you're painting the earth, but you're just moving the dirt away, you know? Mm. And and you might find like a rock. You're like, is this a rock? Is this a bone? What is it? You know, is it a story? Is it nothing? That's such an exciting thing. And and it's it's I think it's from watching Jurassic Park when I was a child. You know, and just the, if it was not a if if I had enough sunscreen, I had a good hat, and I had food on the table for me and my family. That's all I want. And then I had a brush and, and some dirt. I, I would have the happiest the happiest time. Audrey. Um. I think it'd be two things. I think, and I'm, I'm not even like looking out for my family at this point. It's like, if it's completely selfish, I do not have to think about money or anything. Um, it would be either writing or acting. I really enjoy the opportunities when I've been able to try to act. I'm not gonna, you know, I'll be very honest with my own capability, but like, I think it's just been so fun to try on a different persona. 
to convey something else, um, to not to not be yourself. You get to be a totally different person. So I think acting would be really fun to do more. Um, and then, yeah, writing. I think uh, writing is something that I've definitely been able to lose myself in. And so if I could just do that, um, didn't have to worry about money or anything, I would do that. Audrey is a good actress. I, it has to be said. She won't say this, so I'll say it for her. She sent me some audition tapes of herself. Beautiful. Hmm. Just a natural. Ooh, actually, uh, Chaitan, your question that you asked earlier about what I would change in my life, this would be the other answer, is that I wish I pursued theater more when I was in school because I just had no idea about it. You know, I just totally dismissed it. And then later on, it wasn't until like, I think grad school where um, happened to be the medical campus that I was on, they also happened to have their own student theater program. And so I just got involved with that. Um, and I really, really loved it. And it's like, once you're outside of school, it's really hard to do like just amateur theater, like just like, oh, I'm just gonna try it out. Like, it's really hard to do that. You either have to be a professional um, or um, it's completely just like voluntary and like too loosely structured. So um, I would have pursued like, being like a drama nerd or like pursue theater a little bit more while I was in school. Okay, so the first thing I thought was uh, pursuing music or producing music, I feel like would be really, really interesting to me. I think as a child, I really got into that. And then there just wasn't enough resources for me to pursue it. Um, thinking, I think food blogging or like just being like a food critic, that'd be kind of an interesting job, but I would love to do it internationally, kind of like Anthony Bourdain, you know, you kind of go around the world and try different foods and hear people's stories and writing about it, critiquing it, anything around that would be awesome. What about uh, you, Chipman? You know what, now that I'm so inspired by Karen here, I also want to travel the world and just do that for money. <laughs> um, one thing that I've always been into is landscaping. Uh, so I really enjoyed the idea of a tough day's work. I would love to like haul around bricks and like do brick work or, you know, um, shape grass and hedges and things like that. And but wait, there's a story behind this, right? This newfound passion of yours. What, what happened? What led you to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not new. And this is something that I've done for a long time. I had a summer job as like the town gardener, you know? Oh. So I used to like take care of all the green spaces. It was like me and the team. So we'd start, like 6.30 in the morning and take all our machines out and take care of all the grass. And at one point we got so good at it, there was literally not a blade of grass that wasn't trimmed, you know? So we came back to our boss and we're like, hey, we're done. And he's like, that's never happened. <laughs> so he sent, yeah. the, he sent us to the cemetery. He's like, go <laughs> cut the grass at the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, landscaping. Landscaping Dude. and like masonry. Saying, you hearing you say this, that's my that's not my answer like that's my answer too now i mean that sounds I, I'd, I'd love a day like that it's it's so much fun because lunchtime comes around and you and your squad are all thirsty and hungry and you have a yeah. delicious meal together and yeah. you know like every, you've earned it now you've earned it yeah, you, yeah. Earned it. you just feel so good about it that's cool i've never oh heard gosh. that answer um and so i'm glad that you asked about the story Kieran Deep, because i was like that's so interesting where the hell did that come from Right. That's cool. <laughs> to Anand, what's something that affects your mental health positively? The biggest thing that I've noticed to uh, help me feel good is laughing. And I think, you know, what, what I do to bring that into my world is 
anytime I get to spend time around physical people, I, I always say yes. You know, I, I basically to a fault say yes, you know, and, and I'll, I'll get distracted. I'll stay to, you know, stay late at work, all of that. But if I can go home and say that today, I laughed out. I, it's an easy way to know that I've had a good day and that and exercising, I think exercising never makes me feel worse. Never. You know, I, I basically know that to be true. And so I'll, I'll, I'll put that into my day at all costs. Sometimes I, I'll try to combine the two. I listen to a funny podcast while I'm working out. That's a mistake. You drop the weights, you know, and you, you need help because someone's someone, you know, that, that's not the right, that's not the right, you know, combination of things to, but, uh, what about you, Chetan? What about you? What, what, what positively affects your mental health reliably? So I think one thing kind of in the same line as you is just being around people that I think reflect the same energy back. Um, I think positive interactions do start from within. And sometimes you just need someone to take whatever energy you're putting out and just kind of reflect it back to you, you know? So uh, friends, family, meeting new people. I'm Canadian, so like chit chat is a big part of our life. So if I'm in the grocery store and I see something that's relatable, if someone's wearing like the hat of a team that I like, I will comment. And usually it kind of helps me out, just helps me get through the day and sets me in order. And then, yeah, you're right. I end up in the gym because I'm feeling better or I end up shooting hoops or um, if that's really not available, which it wasn't for the last year or so, I think music is like really big. And I know like mm -hmm. when I find a new song that I'm really, really into, I'm just so excited to like get up and put that song on or go for a drive and like start with that song that I know is going to like set me in the right mood. Oh my gosh, you're totally right about that. Do you play music too? I mean, are you, are you talking about listening to music more than playing? Uh, mostly just listening. I haven't really been to a whole lot of concerts. So I wanted to ask, let's say, Audria, who seems well-traveled. She's a very seasoned individual. I wanted to ask her. You mean Audrey go back a ways. You know, we were some of the OGs on this podcast. So, you know, we teach each other. Um, she has been to a few concerts more than I have. What has been your favorite concert to go to and why? It's very interesting that you asked that because as I only went to my first concert since the pandemic started maybe a few weeks ago. So I have not been very well traveled. I've not been very well musically read in some time, but this was a really cool concert experience because it was unexpected. It's not something that I had planned it. The tickets really fell in my lap because a friend of mine, um, she and her husband were supposed to go to this concert and for some reason they couldn't make it. So she offered it to Omi and I if we wanted to go. It was a Black Pumas concert. I haven't even heard of Black Pumas. I once she gave me the tickets, that's when I looked them up on Spotify and I realized like, okay, you know, they've got a really cool sound. So ended up going and ended up really enjoying um, the music. Uh, it was very different than what I normally listen to. And so be, just the unexpected nature of going to this concert that I wasn't even planning on paired with being out in a concert situation since COVID started very strange. I just kept on looking around like this doesn't seem correct <laughs> that all these people are in. It was an outdoor venue, so that's better. But just having everyone there made me, it just felt so strange, so surreal, um, too normal. But yeah. that and that the music was actually good and really enjoyable. Um, that, was, that was really memorable. So the Black Pumas concert in Austin uh, that happened just a few weeks ago. 
and it's probably signaled like a return to some level of normalcy as well, huh? Yeah, yeah, and it was like Corona who? Like that never happened, it felt like. Yeah. Are you gonna listen to that band from now on? I mean, they're they're now on my Spotify rotation, you know, okay. like they're gonna make it into my mix. Um, okay. I'm actually, I don't listen to like a ton of music, like, or I don't seek it out. Um, once I like something, I kind of, you know, listen to everything I can of that artist or of that genre. Okay, uh, Kiranjit, I I would love to know this from you since you know you have a lot going on, you know, being a mom especially. So, what is your idea of self care? Ooh, great question. I think it depends on what I'm handling at the time. So, if it has something to do with, of course, being a mom, I find that disconnecting a bit always helps me almost be a better mother. So. Um, like stepping away from that role for a bit and taking a couple hours off and just like going into nature or just kind of disconnecting in general always makes me want to come back to it a little bit more motivated. So definitely being in nature, um, I would say is self-care for me because it kind of reminds me that we're all um, just on this big rock <laughs> with a ton of water <laughs> um, and just thriving, just trying to, you know, uh, just getting down to the basics. So definitely that that falls into the role of self-care for me is disconnecting from the world and just being uh, at the basic level of life. Um, the other thing I loved, I, again, I love listening to music, but that's probably because uh, Chapin and I are related. <laughs> for, uh, for our listeners, Chapin is my brother, <laughs> younger brother. Um, so yeah, music is a huge self-care thing for me. Sometimes I'll just put on a song and dance by myself, um, get my body moving, kind of feel it. Um, I love getting massages. But thanks to the pandemic, I don't know if I'll ever go back to being that close to another stranger. I don't know. It feels really? a little awkward to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't think I've come past that yet, that I'm okay with going into a massage where I'll be fully relaxed. Um, what about you guys? How do you feel about getting massages? I just had my never first gotten. one ever. Yeah, like, I, I never really gotten it before, um, like a full body massage. So I got my first one ever a few weeks ago. And that was interesting like i don't know i just kind of like after i got vaccinated i've been like so much more relaxed and like i'm like i am okay shaking hands doing whatever um so i think like because it was my first one i don't really have one to compare it to it was it was very aggressive um i don't know if it was just the style but it was just like really just i mean i felt like every uh bone in my rib cage like every rung of my rib cage is just getting pounded into <laughs> so i'm like this will feel better later right like it's just painful now it'll feel better later i'm guessing we find out later that she wasn't involved in an mma fight she just thought it was uh, yeah. <laughs> it was actually like uh you know like a gang initiation that i was part of um but yeah like it was so but i, I think it felt nice like um they had a nice ambience music uh it was very zen um and then anything that when they used heat heat like so like hot stones or uh, they would really really warm up their hands or use hot towels um, that was really relaxing so I would try it again. I think as someone who gets massages or used to get massages pretty frequently I approach it with a way of doing like a body scan so it's like when someone is working on my upper back 
then I know like I carry a lot of tension here for some reason, you know, like you can feel it. And when it's painful, you kind of lean into it that like, this is going to help me release whatever I'm holding into there. And of course, like thinking it from a science perspective that they're just trying to increase blood flow to that area. So in that sense, I feel like it's very therapeutic, but definitely first few times <laughs> it can be pretty painful. Okay, I'm going to ask Anand this question. What is something you find challenging, but you want to improve on? Okay, so one thing I find challenging that I'm more and more aware of is that I have trouble being exactly myself, you know? And maybe this is relatable to a lot of people, but in my job, and also, I mean, I think I've, it's probably, it's probably that, like I chose this job because I have this personality anyway, but I, I really like to be one of one version of myself to, to people, you know, and it's not like I'm faking because I am this person, but I don't feel like I can be my full self to people, you know, and so I have this pressure I feel to like, I meet someone new, I want to make them happy, I want to make them laugh, or I want to make them smile and, um, and that often means not really needing them to help me on something, you know? And so I don't really unload a lot on people. You know, I've had friends I've known a long time and I haven't really asked them for help on things. You know, I call them and I'll talk to them. I'll, I'll we'll have a lot of fun and we'll laugh a lot. And that's been, that's been helpful because of my other answer, you know, just that laughing is really helpful to me, but there'll be, there'll be actual pain that I'm not good at confessing or, or, you know, expressing. And I'm trying to get better at that because in, in my work, that's something I have to be able to tell people to do, you know, um, I can't, a lot of people that end up doing, so for example, I worked at a rehab, a lot of people end up going to drugs and alcohol because that's the only way that they can deal with feelings that they don't express, you know? And so I started out learning that about myself and finding out, finding out that I liked alcohol more than my friends, for example, right? And it was easier to see that. Um, so I decided I was going to quit. I just quit alcohol and see what happens, you know, see what would what that would force me to do, you know. And it, it has forced me to be a bit more honest and expressive because I have nowhere to put those feelings now. You know, there's nothing I can drown them in. Um, so that's sort of what I'm working on. And Audrey has been, you know, witness to some of this stuff, right? Just me trying to express more of what I need from people rather than just what I can do for them. It's hard during the, during the day, you know, cause you're a shrink, so you don't really ask your patients for help. But um, at least when I get home, I have to be comfortable doing that for the sake of everyone around me, you know, was that too much? That was a fantastic answer and very deeply thought. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. uh, my question to you, just as a follow-up, um, yeah. do you think that some of this is because you do work as a psychiatrist that you do feel like you're more in charge of other people's feelings and daily issues rather than your own. There is a little bit of that, right? But a lot of it, I think that I chose psychiatry because of that predisposition rather than the other, you know, and I think some of it has to do with being older sibling. You might be able to relate KD, you know, you and Audrey are both older siblings, I think. So, uh, you know, we have this in common that we probably have to take on responsibility and not really flinch, you know? And so I've been told I too carry a lot of tension up here, for example, you know? And I think that's not an accident. So um, there's a great book I read called The Drama of the Gifted Child that talks about how the people who choose our job have to be very careful 
because it could be that we're going to our job to get treatment for our own shit rather than treat people uh, as a primary reason. So we got to sort ourselves out before we, we dream of being useful to anyone else. So that's, that's the path I'm on. I'm going to ask a question of, Ch- of Chitin. And what's something you're really proud of, Chitin? It's funny because I was like, I was looking through this list and that was the one question that I was hoping nobody would ask me. <laughs> um, I think th- this is a tough one. This is something that I've like really struggled with. Um, just that I think there's so much pressure to just achieve, you know, and like achieve that big goal that you're supposed to be chasing. And I feel like every time I've fallen short of that, I've had like nothing to be proud of, you know, to be like, I don't have that like medal. I don't have that trophy. I don't have that achievement to really be like, I've been putting in so much work and this is what I got from it. So I think because of that journey, I've learned to be proud of just being persistent. Um, So I think one thing that has allowed me to be where I am and have some of the skills that I'm continually honed is just the persistence, you know? So I'm, I'm proud of that willingness to do not the dirty work, but the tough stuff. The little small things that you need to get done that somebody might look at you and say, why are you doing that? Um, well, it's because this is, this is the point A to B that's going to get me to point F, you know? So I think I'm, I'm proud of my persistence and willingness to do what I need to do today. I love that answer, dude. It's really, it's really all that there is to be proud of for anyone. You know, it's just, that's the only thing you can wake up every day and feel. I mean, I, you know, in, in our job, we don't ever fix somebody, you know, we're not surgeons, you know, so um, we, we just, we hope that they're happier today than they were. We hope that they're happier after five minutes than they were before we started talking to them. And that's the most we can do, but we can't get them a house, you know, like Audrey, I I really admire Audrey's job because she's, she, I don't know if you guys know, she works at a nonprofit that helps arrange for orphans to find resources in India, you know, like that's real problems that have solutions. Like I can't just Mm -hmm. talk someone out of their homelessness, you know, everyone does something that like, I think, the only way you can really be proud of yourself is that you work really hard that day. Right. Exactly. And like, this is one of those skills that I didn't realize was handed to me from sports, but mm. that's really what I got it from because, yeah. you know, as like a young basketball player, you're in the gym, you're shooting yeah. shots today that are going to help you make shots, you know, when it like really counts, you know? And I think it's, it's very little, but those 10,000, 20,000 shots you put up every single day, or sorry, over the course of a week or over the course of a month, they really add up. So I think um, just being able to invest in one place has really worked for me, you know, rather than trying to spread my energy very thin. It's like taking something that I really love and just putting my energy towards that. That's another, that's another piece of advice that is underrated is, um, is a discipline and focus on something, you know, rather than trying to be some vague notion of well-rounded, you know? Right. Um, just to see what would happen if you really did everything you could for one thing. And what, mm-hmm. what would that say about you? You know, mm-hmm. to know, for example, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of scary too. Like if I spend this whole day working on a painting, it's a scary thing to do because what if at the end of the day, it's not a very good painting. Mm-hmm. You don't want to discover that about yourself that after a whole day of work, you're not that good at it. That happened in mm-hmm. the Simpsons actually where Bart uh, decides he has to study for a test and he, he actually does study for it and he still gets a C versus a D, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, it hurt him a lot more that he worked hard and got a C than when he didn't work and got a D, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a good confrontation to have. I think it's, 
it's, it's a kind of healthy, it's a healthy sort of pain, you know? Right. Exactly. And it's kind of, like you said, you know, Bart kind of checked in and realized where he was and that's where like we as individuals have that opportunity to uh, really think about, I put in this much energy, I got this result. So if I put that much energy in again, yeah. am I going to get somewhere else or am I going to decide to switch gears? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I've switched gears many times. I played double up for five years and then I decided mm-hmm. I'm never going to be Zakir Hussein. So I'm <laughs> going to quit, you know, <laughs> uh, it's still upstairs. It's drying out, but um, I tried it and it was good for a little bit of time, but like I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. So um, yeah, we're, life is simultaneously the longest thing that we'll ever experience. And it's also quite short. So you just have to decide where you're going to put your energy every day and just go from there. Yeah. And see that, that perspective, I don't know if I'm speaking for KD and Audrey here, but like that, that it's just, you have a clarity and a wisdom on this that is enviable to a lot of older siblings because we try to be good at everything. I mean, I'll speak for at least myself. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll second that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we carry a lot, right? We carry a lot of like, if I'm not the best at this or if I'm not, uh, maybe I'm not measuring up as an older sibling or as a son or a daughter. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, that's refreshing to hear. It sounds a lot like the mom of mentality. That's what it sounds like the way you say it. And, uh, I realize it sounds familiar that way. Really great answer, dude. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for asking such a tough question. <laughs> okay. I think for, to save some time here for Adria, mm-hmm. uh, if you could change one thing about your life, what would it be? Man, <laughs> to only pick one. <laughs> um, I think it'd be interesting to see if I pursued writing as a major or a career path more than I did, where that will lead. Um, because I really had no idea what I wanted to get into when I, when I was faced with a decision like, okay, you're 18 now, you're about to graduate high school, what do you want to do? Um, and that would influence what college you go to and, you know, your career path. Um, so on the one hand, I've found that really your major in college, it doesn't super matter. You can get into a lot of different things. Your path can go um, in, in a much more nonlinear way than I had expected growing up because that's what you know, right, is you go to a good school, you pick a good major, you'll get a good job, you're set. And so I was terrified that I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. I didn't have a passion calling that like, yes, I want to do this. I, I truly just made like that decided what my major would be because I was like, well, I, I like writing. Um, what, what jobs can writers do? I'm not going to write a novel or like, I'm not that kind of writer. So what else is out there? And then I was like, okay, journalism, that makes sense. And um, so it was just, it was a lot of just like stumbling through my choices of like, I, this sounds good. I don't know. And um, so, but then when I got to college and I tried out journalism, um, you know, the first year was great. It was all theory. It was all hearing about what other journalists do. And I got really pumped and jazzed that I'm going to be, you know, in the canons of great journalists who, you know, really make a difference because they're raising awareness on something that's important. And Uh, writing about and the storytelling aspect of it was really what grabbed me. So I was really excited about that. And then sophomore year comes around where uh, I had my actual first journalism classes where I'm interviewing other people and then using that to come up with the story. And at that point in my life, I was 
like I was just so shy. Like it would give me just like anxiety attacks looking at the syllabus where it's like, okay, go to the courthouse and, um, you know, find a judge or someone to interview or, um, you know, go to a completely different context from what you're used to write a story about that. And I would just get heart palpitations, like, oh my God, like so much discomfort um, that you're being faced with, but that's all about what journalism is. And so seeing that and realizing that that's not the kind of lifestyle I want to lead, um, I decided to go away from that. And that just, you know, threw me into like half a year of bothering like uh, every professor, if I can just sit in on one class, like, you know, just trying to put my feelers out there. So anyways, I think like it was a good decision for me at that time. And I still don't know if I could do, you know, the full you know, journalist lifestyle of like someone who works at a newspaper, but I think it would have just been interesting to see if I pursued something in writing more where that would have le uh, led me to. You know, I say that it'd be interesting to see where my life would have led if I pursued writing more, but I don't necessarily regret making the decisions that I made because it ended up where I am now, where I get to, you know, like uh, I mentioned that I get to work at a nonprofit for a cause that I really care about. Um, and so if that, if whatever happened led me to this, then I'm cool with it, but it'd just be interesting to see what, what, you know, what another life would have been. It's yeah. kind of funny how that works because you pursue something kind of out of the blue thinking that that might be your passion, but then along the way you work on little projects, this and that, and you approach people, opportunities arise, and then you figure out almost like in your mid twenties, almost around that time, like this brings me happiness and this does absolutely nothing for me or is a waste of time for me or just brings me anxiety, yeah. like how you were mentioning. And it's, it can be completely different from, from what you thought was your passion, right? Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because it makes you think like, where does your passion even arise from? Is it just promoted by feelings or is it promoted by, you know, like, us older siblings role models or parents or friends like where does that come from what do you guys think about that you know the best answer i've heard of is in this book called tribe by sebastian younger and he says that what people need to feel happy day to day is they need to feel competent they need to feel uh accompanied and they need to feel authentic right so if you, if you look at your life and you think, okay, well, which of these three am I missing? And usually there's something missing if you're not happy, you know, uh, at work, if you feel like you're, you get to be yourself, like you, with your coworkers and they in fact are coworkers. Right. And then, and finally, if you're good at your job and, um, and when I look at my life, if I've ever been unhappy with any part of it, it's because of one of those three things being missing. And, um, so I think finding out that you're good at something that you didn't know you were good at that can be very surprising and that can trigger a change in career trajectory that I think is that can sometimes surprise us. Right. So it's like, uh, like I, I didn't, I, I, I was, I was in medical school. I hated it. I was going to drop out every day. I was like, okay, it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow. And then I finally found psychiatry and it surprised me that I was actually, uh, some, I was actually capable of something there that I wasn't capable of in other fields of medicine. And it was fun. It was fun in a surprising way. And, uh, without having to change too much of who I was, right? And so, like I said, the previous answer to, to, your, uh, to your question was, I wish I could be more of myself. And that's me trying to address that question of authenticity because if that, that's missing and I feel like that's the source of, of uh, 
of, of cloudiness in my life right now is just not being fully myself. And that's probably because of um, all the work I have to do at, uh, at, you know, during the day to, to not ask for help, you know? So that's a good question though, Katie. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think the, the a competence thing plays a huge role um, mm. because it makes you feel like, damn, I'm good at this. Or like just being really proud of you, like being proud of my brain for having to figure something out really mm. just gets me going. Like I would say almost three of us are in the medical fields, right? So our like way of thinking about the body and in general healthcare in general is probably very similar. Um, but our things that we do outside of the medical field, I think makes us super unique, right? Like um, Anand, you're super into music, creating music. Uh, Jathan, you're really into like visual art stuff, right? Audrea, I know you're a great dancer and you're always posting dance videos. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and then for me lately, I found I, I'm pretty good at like, for example, content creation. And that's something I've never really tapped into before, but I've been really into lately. And also creating our podcast previews. Like, I just love doing things like that, like overlapping different layers of colors. And that's so different than what I've ever done from grade one until finished medical school. So it's kind of nice to be able to tap into those different passions. I think year after year, you get into new and different things and discovering like, hey, I'm really good at this. My brain is really good at this. Um, so I think that's where passion drives for sure. That is a really mm -hmm. satisfying feeling of it's like, Oh, I'm actually good at this. And you turn out, especially when it's <laughs> right. something visual or there's like a, a an, an end product and yes. you're like, Oh, I, I did right. that. Yeah. That is a really satisfying feeling. And for me, that's not work. Right. So that for that, yes. it's kind of like yes. tapping into my creative side, um, which yes. I don't always get a chance to do. And it's just so different than, the medical yeah. field and mothering and teaching and it's just so different it's nice yeah the idea of like loving free work it's it's really a blessing you know like when you get to volunteer for an organization and you actually love every minute of it and you lose yourself in the hours i mean that's i, I know that feeling of like losing yourself in the in the creation of a piece um and that's something i should have said earlier to your other question that's something that brings me <laughs> a lot of joy too I'm stuck on Chetan being a visual artist. What is all, what is that about? So I think it's something that I've always been into. I think the idea of what makes, what is beautiful. Yeah. Right. Because like with every passing year, the idea of what beauty is continues to expand. Right. So I think every year I, no, I think year is just kind of like I'm choosing that. But uh, with each passing day or as I keep experiencing in terms of like uh, travel or photography, I decide that I want to take a picture of that, right? So this kind of started when I was in Chicago. I, the first thing I bought was a bike. I bought like this small little BMX bike so that I could like hop off and on curbs and free parking, you know, runs on, runs on French fries. <laughs> and then uh, – <laughs> I just looked around. And I thought, wow, this is such a beautiful city. I would love to try to capture it to show my friends back home. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're from a small town and I don't know, Chicago is exceptionally beautiful. So I thought, all right, let me get into this. So, you know, smartphones were just kind of kicking off in terms of camera, camera capabilities. Uh, I had a phone. It wasn't that great. I bought a camera. It was better. You know, so I just realized that um, it was challenging to try to capture what I was seeing. 
you know, because what I saw was beautiful, wasn't really showing up in the phone. It wasn't really showing up in a picture. So I just took it as a challenge to be like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to show the world what I see. You know, why do I think this is beautiful? And it's really interesting because every time I capture a picture or if I try to show someone that this is beautiful, they find it beautiful for a different reason. So it just sparks a conversation and it's an appreciation of something that either nature created or the products of nature created, i.e. human beings. So it's kind of, it's kind of just what I enjoy. It's a topic that sparks people's interest. It sparks people's energies. It's, um, I can't say that it's neutral. It's probably more closer to positive. And I enjoy mm-hmm. that energy. I, I like that idea of just appreciating the world around me. So visual art, uh, visual representation of the world around me is something that I really enjoy. You got like an Instagram or something we can uh, follow your photography? Yeah, I do. It's uh, Chayton underscore S. All right. Yeah. You got very... to be earned the two new followers, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, thanks. It's funny because before I post anything, I, will, I always think like, would Chayton approve this picture? <laughs> is, it, is it leveled properly? Did I turn up the saturation too much? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I have, a, I have a question for anybody who wants to answer. How do you choose who you look up to? I have very obvious heroes. Someone who has like 75% of me in them and then 25% of what I want that I don't have. And so like, for example, Conan O'Brien is a big influence on me, you know? And I think he's always, ever since I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, I love how silly he is. And, um, in his silliness, he, it, it, I'm exactly that way with my friends and with my family. And I think even with my patients, sometimes I, I adopt that personality and it helps, helps a lot with my life. But, um, he also has made it a priority to do that thing that I talk about, which is to be authentic, you know, and, um, he, he works at that out loud. Like he talks about it. He talks about how it's probably something that needs to be treated that he's always trying to please people. You know, he says his father's told him he's made a career out of something that needs to be medicated, you know, and that's probably the case. And I think that his openness on talking about that is, I, I, it's made me more open too. And I think um, I, Katie is saying, I've always made like all kinds of art and it's because I want people to look at that and not me, you know? And I think that that's probably a, I see Conan doing more and more is to put the attention back on himself. so yeah, that's uh, somewhere someone who starts out where I am and then has a is like a couple steps ahead, you know. That that helps me a lot. Like I'd love to say that I look up to Kobe Bryant, but I have almost none of where he's starting, you know. <laughs> like I have almost nothing that he has to begin with. So I have to start where I am. Um, that's re- that's pretty interesting that you mentioned that you look up to someone who is seventy five percent you and then possibly you in the future or what you aspire to be right yes because i was thinking about it as you were speaking and i'm like who do i look up to and for me i think it's anyone who may have the same struggles as me Mm -hmm. but it's always i reach towards people who may be going through the same struggle as me but has already overcome that struggle so Mm -hmm. i i'm kind of like i kind of lean into that like how did they overcome Mm -hmm. that struggle or kind of thinking of it in the sense that there's a light at the end of the tunnel for this situation. So, you know, that person got through it. Um, 
where I think communication in general is so important in that sense, because the more stories that we share, even on our podcast, that's why we call it stories of stigma, is that people sharing their stories and having other people to relate to, to see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, there is a way to get through these situations. And to me, that that's what I look for for someone that I look up to. That's a beautiful way of saying that too. Yeah, I mean, I think like, it's nothing radically different than what's already been said, but I I feel like I look up, up to people who, um, you know, if I think to myself, like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be like them, <laughs> you know? Um, and as, you know, someone who's stepped into their 30s right now, I still don't register that I've grown up. <laughs> or it never feels like you've reached that place of being a grown up. And that's what I realize even with the as I come closer in age to people that I look up to, I, I realize that too, and that's comforting that it's like, no one actually feels like they've grown up <laughs> um, and how things look on the outside. You have no idea how things are going on the inside unless they let you in, unless they open up and speak up about that. So I think I've really appreciated when um, anyone who I, who I have looked up to when they do open up of like, yeah, you know, this, this, for example, this presentation that I gave that I thought they did so wonderful in um, that you know, they'll open up about like I had to practice that for hours the day before. I sounded like a crazy person, like rehearsing it in my room. And um, so what I thought was like so effortless and it's like, oh, wow, she just has that quality. She's just so good at it. I wish I was like that. But then getting a peek behind the curtain, it's like, well, no, it, like, that looked effortless, but it took so many hours of practice and so much work to get to that point. And um, that, you know, like, oh, this person also has stress and anxiety about like how they appear. And, you know, so I think whenever I get that peek behind the curtain, I really appreciate it that it seems attainable, um, that it's not just like, oh, you're born with it or not. That's it. That, you know, you're able to get to that too, if you work at it. Um, let's see. There's what some about questions. Does Shethan want to answer that question? Mm, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> you asked it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like you guys have covered this topic pretty thoroughly. I was just thinking about the difference. Um, a lot of the times when I approach a topic, I'm always thinking like big picture. So I was listening to you guys talk and I thought, well, it's like literally in the word, who do you look up to? Right. And it has to be somebody that you're like parallel with, you know? So I'm just imagining someone like, yeah, I'm in the same tract as this person and I see the work that they put in and I want to get there. Right. So there's a book by Angela Duckworth called grit. It's like stories of perseverance. And they talk about the idea of how genius seems divine. You know, so if somebody is like absolutely spectacular, you basically discount all the work that they put in. You thought they're just naturally gifted. That's why they're so much better than me, right? There's no way that they just worked that hard. They just mm -hmm. naturally must be amazing, you know, but the truth of the matter is, is even if you have talent, you have to work extremely hard, you know, to get to where you want to be. And if, if you don't see that, you feel like it's unattainable. You know, if you don't see the work, you feel like I'll never get there, you know? Mm -hmm. So then... Once again, like a little tangent off of do you, who do you look up to? I feel like if there's someone that you is obviously better than you, but you're not in the same track, you just think of like, I just admire this person. You're kind of admiring from a distance. You know that it's like not, it's not possible for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're just kind of relegated to just being like, yeah, oh, this person's wonderful. Um, but 
once again, just to answer your question, how, who do I look up to? I look up to people who have what I want. You know, I, I think sometimes it's a far thing, but I think I've met a lot of people who like speak nicely or they're just so credible. You know, every, like everything that comes out of their mouth is just like solid based in facts. I'm just like, I love that person, you know, and I want to be that person. Uh, and I think like in humanity, you realize that we're all kind of like looking for the same thing, you know, and we can be on the same page about a lot of different things. And uh, one of the things that I, I say a lot is uh, we're friends until you prove me otherwise. You know, that's kind of like the way that I, I like that's, that. that's, that's, that's the way I approach life. Like when I meet new people, you're probably my friend already, you know, until something happens and chances are nothing's going to happen and we're just going to stay friends. So uh, yeah, I look up to people who have the things that I want in a positive way. I'd like to just take a moment to appreciate this team. I think we can do some good things. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Me too, man. Yeah, it's good to have you. All right, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you would like to ask us any questions, check out our post introducing the team on the Manmukti Instagram page at M-A-N-N-M-U-K-T-I. And feel free to comment to suggest any topics you'd like to hear us discuss on our Real Talk series or any guests you would like to hear on our podcast. In the meantime, remember to take care of your mind, body, and soul. This is Kiran Deep, signing out.